Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. If you're using the black Bibles that are provided, that's on page 1015. We are in a series through the book of 1 Peter called Following Christ in a Fallen World. And so today our, our study through the book of 1 Peter has brought us to chapter 3, verse 7. According to God's great mercy and amazing grace, he has rescued us from the penalty and from the enslaving power of our sins through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so now as Christians, we are reconciled to God and we have the privilege and joy of knowing Christ and making him known to the world around us. And as we follow Christ, we are, as Todd just prayed, we are seeking to become more like him and to display him to others. And God, through the Apostle Peter, has been teaching us that we bring glory to God by submitting to, our, to the authorities over us, by submitting to our civil authorities, by submitting to our masters, or in present day we would say our employers. And then Peter moved from the arenas of government and work to the sphere of the home, specifically marriage. Our marriages are an excellent place for God to sanctify us and to display his glory through us. What, a, what an opportunity our marriages and families are to be distinct in this world. And so last week we saw um, from Genesis 2... Before we dove into 1 Peter, we saw from Genesis 2 that God created marriage with the first man and woman there in the Garden of Eden. And that God created Eve and presented her to Adam. And then God's word declared in Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We heard that verse quoted in our scripture reading in Ephesians 5 as well, didn't we? And since God created marriage, he is the one to define what marriage is and how it should work. Marriage is a gift from God given to us for human flourishing. The Bible teaches that marriage is to be a permanent relationship of one man and one woman, freely and totally committed to each other as companions for life. God gives us marriage for intimate companionship, for bringing children into the world, and to be a living picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. And so we know that God designed marriage, and he designed it with a certain ordering of roles within marriage. From the Bible's teaching on marriage, we know that the husband's role could be summarized as loving leadership. And the wife's role could be summarized as loving support. And again, by God's grace and power, our marriages can reflect in a real yet imperfect way the relationship between Christ and the church. Think of what that means. Think of what that looks like, right? That something of the selfless love, care, and sacrifice that Jesus showed the church should be seen in how husbands treat their wives, and likewise, then, something of the respect, submission, and devotion that the, that the church shows toward Jesus should be evident in the wife's relationship to the husband. So last week, we considered God's instructions to wives in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. 
where Peter described the power and the beauty of a wife's submission to her husband. And so now today, I I warned us, right, last week, today we come to God's word for husbands. You'll notice the section to wives was six verses while the husbands is only one verse. (laughs) Some have joked that the teaching to husbands is short because that's all us men could handle. (laughs) And while there may be truth to that, likely the section for wives is, is longer because in, remember in the context Peter has been emphasizing how Christians should respond to the authority over us. But rest assured, though the word to husbands is only one verse, it is pure gold. It's pure gold that all husbands should seek to live out by God's enabling grace. If husbands... And I'm preaching to myself too, right? Husbands, if we will put verse 7 into practice, then our wives and our families will be blessed and God will be glorified. So I'd ask the congregation to please stand for the reading of God's word. And again, our text, our text today is, is just one verse, 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Thanks be to God for his word. Please be seated. Verse 7 begins with the word likewise, not because wives are in an official authority position to which husbands should submit, but because both wives and husbands are called to follow Christ in humble and compassionate love. Again, husbands are to love their wives with a sacrificial servant's heart, just as Christ came not to be served, but to serve. And he gave himself up for his bride, the church. The title of the sermon this morning is Loving Your Wife to the Glory of God. Loving Your Wife to the Glory of God. Remember, husbands, the core responsibility of a husband is to love his wife the way Christ loved the church. And our passage today in 1 Peter 3, 7 gives two solid ways to love our wives. And again, this is immediately applicable to husbands, but but young people, listen up as well, right? Young men, if, if God ever gives you a wife, you need to know this, right? And young ladies, this is the type of man you want to be looking for. Again, our passage today gives us two specific ways to love our wives. And husbands, by doing this, remember, we will bring glory to God. And it will be a huge blessing to our wives and our families. So, you see the two ways there in verse 7. Way number one is live with your wives in an understanding way. And then the second is showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So we want to dig into those two ways. And in the notes provided, I've, I've kind of summarized or, or maybe even um, yeah, brought in some application as, uh, as a way of writing it down in your notes. So here's the first way. Husbands, spend time with your wife learning how best to care for her. Right? I'm trying to be just very clear. (laughs) Very clear and practical. 
Spend time with your wife learning how best to care for her. Let me show you why I worded it that way. Peter, God through the Apostle Peter here says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Most English translations use either the word understanding or uh, considerate or consideration. The verse literally says, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Think about that. Live with, your, live with her according to knowledge. That's where I get the idea of learning about her, learning what she needs. Peter is admonishing husbands to know what their wife's needs are. Know what's going on in her life. Know what pressure she's facing. Know what blesses her. Live with her according to knowledge. And we'll talk more about that. But just understand that the more you know about your wife, the more you are with her and and know what she's experiencing, the more then that enables you to live with her in an understanding way. It enables you to be considerate of how God has made her and what her needs are. And that reminds us of an important truth that, that all guys need to understand if we haven't already, right? And again, young people, please understand this. Men and women are very different, right? Captain Obvious up here, right? Men and women are very different. God in his wisdom and kindness made men and women different so that they complement each other. So husband or Young man, when you begin dating or courting a young woman, you cannot assume that she is like you. The way she thinks, the way she feels, the way she feels loved, what's most important to her, all those things are very likely going to be different from you. And that is a beautiful thing. I know it can be a frustrating thing, but it's actually a beautiful thing. And in God's wisdom, that's how he has designed us. While men are generally going to be a certain way and women are generally going to be another way, your wife is unique, husbands. Again, we can make all kinds of generalities about men are like this and women are like this, but the text tells us to learn and know our wife, the wife God has given us. I learned early on in my marriage, you know, you read a Christian book about marriage and that's a, that's a good thing if, if it's a good Christian book, right? And... But I, then I needed to process that with Melissa, right? You know, okay, it's saying this about wives, and, you know, is that how you feel? Or is that, is that what would be important to you? And sometimes it was similar, sometimes it was different, right? She's unique. And so as husbands, we need to know our wife. Your, your, your buddy's wife may like fancy dinners and expensive gifts, whereas your wife would rather have a simple picnic lunch outside in a park, Right? Can you guess which, which kind Melissa would be like? <laughs> Those of you who know her. We are called to learn and to know our wife. And to do that, we must spend time with her. That's what this verse is, is getting at, right? To, to be learners of our wife, to dwell with her according to knowledge. This is speaking of having personal insight about our wife that will then lead to intentional Loving, considerate care. 
So we need to become students of our wives, learning their concerns, their fears, their desires. We need to be curious about our wives. We need to ask questions and listen and observe and enjoy how God has made them. We need to make our wife our life study. Right? And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking how we're all capable and, and usually passionate about learning something, right? Some men learn all there is about their sports team or, or the, the league or whatever that's going on. Some men, it's, it's cars, right? Others, it, it may be the, the, the stock market or whatever it is, fishing, right? And, and when people are passionate about something, they learn about it. They, they study it. They spend time uh, discovering its intricacies. That's how we are to be with our wives, as we grow in our knowledge of our wife, we will know how best to care for her. We will learn what stresses her out. We will learn what drains her. We will learn what she needs to recuperate. A husband is to know his wife, know what her needs are, her fears, her concerns, her pressures, her joys, so that he can provide that loving care. A husband should be getting to know his wife better and better as the years go on. Again, this is a, a, a whole life study. And this is an ongoing thing. Daily, weekly, we need to know what's going on in the life of our wife. How are things going in her relationships and her responsibilities? What pressures is she facing? What concerns does she have? What's on the horizon? What's been, what blessings has she experienced recently? And again, there's so much in this verse. Verse 7, live with your wives. Live with. Remember what marriage is. The two become one flesh, meaning they are to share life together. Husband and wife, one flesh. Wayne Mack, um, a, a longtime biblical counselor and individual member of FIRE, by the way, our fellowship of churches, he wrote this. Quote, God's intention is that when two people get married, they should share everything. Their bodies, their possessions, their insights, their ideas, their abilities, their problems, their successes, their sufferings, their failures, etc. Simply stated, husbands and wives are to be doing life together. Marriage is not meant to be two separate people living under the same roof. Yes, we are Again, we're one flesh, we're, we're two people who are in a one flesh relationship. We have individual personalities and gifts and strengths. Praise God for that. And that's a blessing. But we should not be just two people, two roommates, two strangers living under the same roof, just two ships passing in the wind. I know in, in the course of life there's often a day or two that's like that in maybe a given week. But let those days be the exception rather than the norm. Develop in your life healthy rhythms where you are, your lives are intersecting. You're spending time together. Of course, husbands and wives can have their own friends and hobbies. That's, there's probably some health to that in, to some degree. But as much as possible, a husband and wife should do things together. Enjoy friends together. Enjoy activities together. Husbands are to study our wives. And again, this is all to help us care for them better. But I want to I 
balance that by saying this is not just a clinical thing, okay? As I'm talking about studying our wives and learning them. I know as husbands we can be so project-oriented that we approach time with our lives, excuse me, time with our wives like it's a, a business meeting or a doctor's checkup, right? And I don't want you to go away from the message doing that, you know? Show up and, okay, tell me how are things going. Okay, check, 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 check. Tell me what your needs are so I can fix them. Check, check, check. No. There may be some things certainly that will come out as we're doing life together that you can help with. But in my experience, often the biggest need of your wife is simply to be loved and valued. She may not need your help or counsel on many things, but it's important for her to be heard, for her to be cherished, for her to feel like you are indeed in a one flesh relationship. So please understand what I'm saying. We're not just to spend time communicating with our wife simply so we know what problems need solved. Again, there may be some of that that we can do, but it's mainly for the companionship. It's about living out that one flesh relationship. So husbands, spend time with your wife. In our our, uh, culture, and again, our sinful hearts are always prone to selfishness, right? But I think our culture just gives even more opportunities for that, right? Right? We can each just be on our own device or our own thing to distract us rather than being present and enjoying the people who are right there that God has given us in our families. And as we talked about last week, and and certainly, again, I've mentioned it already today, husbands have been given the leadership role in the family, but it is to be loving leadership. It is not making decrees from a distance The wise, loving husband will be communicating with his wife, doing life with his wife, learning her needs, asking for her perspective and input, enlisting her support so that they actually make decisions together. That's what, that's the type of leadership the Bible is talking about for husbands. It's loving leadership that's lived out in a one flesh relationship. Remember, Ephesians 5 teaches the husbands that they are to be committed to the spiritual growth of their wives. And so again, as we spend time with our wives, listening to how they are, knowing what's, what's going on in, in their life, what, what challenges or blessings they're experiencing, we'll, and we'll learn how they're doing in their walk with Christ. And those are some of the things we can talk about and listen about. How are they being fed spiritually? How best can we be praying for them? In what ways might they be being tempted right now? And again, I'm not suggesting you have a spiritual questionnaire that you do every week with your wife. Tick, tick, tick off the boxes. A lot of this is just going to be happening organically or should be happening organically as you spend time together. Though again, there's nothing wrong with asking intentional questions once in a while. But this is how we then love and learn our wives. That's what Peter's talking about, living with someone in intimacy and cherishing them. So this won't happen unless we're intentional, right? I know this is a very application-based sermon today. That's just the way the text falls for us today. 
But, you know, husbands, I encourage you to think about and, and talk about with your wives. How can we, what, what kind of, how can we uh, create our schedules in such a way that we're spending time together? Uh, dinner time is a good time to get the family together, right? And so maybe flow out from that, you know, can we go for a walk after dinner together and catch up on, on each other's day? You know, can we, how often should we be scheduling dates together? What, what's something we can work on together around the house or uh, a, a hobby or skill that we could enjoy together? Husbands, let's take the lead and and at least initiate. We don't have to come up with everything ourselves, but let's initiate those conversations with our wives. So that's the first way. Spend time with her, learning how best to care for her. Second way that Peter shows us that we love our wives. I said it like this, if you're taking notes. Value your wife as a precious partner entrusted to your care. You could even say, as we're going to see, as a precious sister, <laughs> sister in Christ entrusted to your care. He says, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Right? We, we understand what honor is. It's to value someone. It's to, it's to think of them as precious, to treat them as precious. What does Peter mean by weaker here? Well, he's partially, no doubt, referring to the fact that women, by and large, are weaker physically. And so, again, he's, he's reminding husbands, don't use your, your strength to bully or intimidate or threaten your wives. That's not the kind of leadership you're supposed to have. Remember, we saw last week in Genesis 3 that, that um, that's, that's an outcome of the fall. Is that uh, wives are going to be sinfully tempted to, to control their husbands. And husbands are going to be tempted to... Um, rule in a sinful way, either by, by being too domineering or by being too withdrawn and passive. And so Peter is, is reminding uh, husbands of that. Don't use your, your physical strength to, to somehow impose your desires and wishes and, and your rule in the, ho- in the home. No. Treat them with honor as the weaker vessel. But I think Peter means more than just physically here. I think Peter's also likely thinking about how wives are oftentimes in a more vulnerable position socially. And that certainly would have been the case in their historical context. By nature, a a wife gives herself to coming alongside and supporting her husband, to helping him succeed like we talked about last week. And in doing so, a wife is, is in many ways throwing her lot in with her husband, isn't she? She's trusting that her husband will provide the security that she needs financially, physically, emotionally. What a trusting thing to do, right? And so referring to wives as the weaker vessel is not an insult. It's not a a green light for husbands to selfishly take advantage of their wives. Far from it. It's a call for honor. It's a call to treat them uh, lovingly and preciously. That's an adjective. Preciously? I don't know. Treat them as precious. Let's try that. It reminds me, here's a parallel passage that uh, should spark your memory. You could jot it down. 1 Corinthians 12, 
beginning in verse 21. Of course, if you know 1 Corinthians 12, that's one of the long sections on the body of Christ. Remember in Corinth, they were arguing because certain ones had certain gifts and, and you know, they, they were placing too much emphasis and value on the, on the flamboyant out front, miraculous type gifts. And he's teaching them, no, every Christian has been given gifts of grace to use for serving of the body. And we're, we're all members of the body and we all need each other and we're all important. And in, in the midst of that context, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, uh, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. It's kind of a similar idea here. You see, there in, in 1 Corinthians 12... God is teaching us that, hey, you know, look at your body. And again, we won't you know, go too in-depth about that. But he's just saying, you know, some of, some of your parts that are, are more vulnerable, more delicate, he says you, you treat them with even greater honor, right? With greater modesty, greater care, because they're so indispensable to you. And it's kind of a similar idea here. He's saying, you know, the wife, uh, again, Partially by nature, partially by her choice of of marrying you, she's placed herself in a weaker state. And so you need to treat her with care, treat her with honor, cherish her, provide for her. That that weakness, so to speak, is not by any means a a chance to railroad her. No, it's it's a call to, to value her all the more. Our wives are beautiful Unique, special. Maybe we could even say, and I don't know if this is going to be offensive to any women, delicate. I read one Christian author a long time ago that said, wives are to be treated like fine china. And that made sense to me. But if that's not helpful, let me illustrate it by contrasting two things. I was trying to think of two things that were exactly, you know, parallel to each other, and I, I, I couldn't. Maybe you will be able to later, and you can tell me. But men, I thought of two things that many of you are familiar with. Number one, your work pants, right? Uh, whatever they are, your, your Carhartts, your Dickies, or whatever, I don't know. Think about those. Think about how you treat those, how you handle those, what you use those for, Right? Your work pants you treat rough. They get banged around. They're, they get muddy. They get, they get dirty. That's what they're for. But contrast that with those of you who have musical instruments. Many of you play musical instruments, don't you? I don't, but I, I enjoy your ministry. And I watch you how you handle your musical instrument. How do you treat your instrument? You're careful with it, aren't you? You care for it. You clean it. You put it in a special box. You don't just throw it in the bed of your pickup truck. No. You treat it carefully because it is precious. It is beautiful. It's delicate. And that's how we are to treat our wives. 
like a fine instrument, beautiful, special, endowed with the ability to bring beauty and harmony to our lives. Think of what our wives do, how much beauty and harmony they, they bring to, our, to us and to our families, to the church. They're beautiful instruments, but we must not treat our wives roughly. And again, obviously not physically roughly. But as I thought about how our guys tempted to do that often, sarcasm, rough joking. You and your buddies may like that kind of banter, but don't talk to your wife that way. To change the illustration, your wife is like a precious, delicate flower. If treated with special and gentle care, she will flourish. She will bless your life with great beauty and fragrance. But neglect her, treat her harshly and roughly, she may likely wilt. Husbands, honor your wife by treating her with special love and care. Thank her often. Serve her. Tend to her. Read the word with her. Pray for her. Speak highly of her to others, to your kids, to her. Honor her. She is your, is your queen. Don't let your kids disrespect her. And certainly don't model it. Again, thinking about that analogy of the or that um, illustration of the wife being a flower. We need to tend to her, kind of like Ephesians 5, washing her with the water of the word, cultivating, praying with her and for her, helping her dig her roots down deep into Christ so that she will flourish and bear much fruit for God's glory. And speaking of flourishing, right? Wives are called to submit to their husbands regardless of how deserving the husband is of that respect, regardless of how well the husband is doing in his job. But husbands, let us understand, we can certainly make it a lot easier on our wives by seeking to love them according to God's word. Husbands, our our aim should be for it to be, among other things, to make it a joy for our wife to follow our lead by loving them the way Christ loved this, the church, by loving them the way First P- uh, Peter's describing for us here in First Peter 3.7. Christian husbands are to lead their wives with an understanding that leads to sacrificial servant love, which allows our wives then to flourish and grow as followers of Christ under our care. He goes on. Right? It says, yes, show honor to them since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Remember, Peter's been talking about our inheritance that's imperishable, that's kept in heaven for us. We, most of chapter 1 was a doxology about that. Our wives share in that same imperishable inheritance. Our Christian wives are co-heirs with Christ. They are co-heirs with us with, of, with Christ of God. Your wife has a beautiful inheritance awaiting her. She is made in God's image. And as a Christian, she is a child of God. 
She is precious to God, and so she needs to be precious to you. Christ gave up his own life for her. So you better treat her well. And even if your wife would happen to not be a believer, this, this, the principle is still there. Let us treat them well. Let us treat them as if she were a sister in Christ. And remember, just as we said last week with the uh, wives, we display the gospel to her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What better way to display the gospel to, our, to an unbelieving wife than to sacrificially love her and care for her and even, as you're able, lead her to Christ. Reading the word with her, gathering her for worship. So there's many positive reasons for husbands to love their wives in this way. Right, as we've been talking about that and, and, and fleshing that out. That for us to love our wives the way Peter is, is describing there, that brings glory to God. Because it brings glory to God. For one, we're obeying his commands. Two, we're displaying Christ. We're displaying the gospel. It brings glory to God. Uh, it fulfills God's purpose of marriage by being a living metaphor of the gospel. It blesses the wife by meeting her needs of oneness and intimacy and, and protection and provision. So many positive reasons to be doing this. But as if all those positive reasons were not motivation enough for husbands, verse 7 closes with a warning to husbands. Should they fail to love their wives in this way? Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. That's kind of... Sobering, isn't it? That should kind of catch our attention a little bit. If a husband is not fulfilling his responsibilities toward his wife, God may not answer his prayers. <laughs> Plain and simple. The prayers of the husband, the verse is, is, is saying, picturing, it's as if the prayers of the husband will be blocked. It's as if the prayers of the husband will lose their effectiveness if he's not treating his wife in this way. And again, None of us are perfect in it. But if he's not seeking to treat his wife this way, if he's being harsh with her, as Colossians forbids, if he's being selfish, if he's neglecting her, then Peter is saying, don't expect God to be paying much attention to your prayers. This is a principle that's taught in Scripture. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. One commentator said, quote, Piety becomes hollow and false if it is not expressed in the closest of human relationships. That's true, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you're bringing your gift to the altar and yet you remember that your brother has something against you. It's, it's like God through Peter is saying, you know, you're coming to me in prayer, but you're, you're, not, you're neglecting the very person I gave you to be your companion, the very person I gave you to entrusted you to your care. Why don't you get that taken care of first and then come back and, and worship and pray? And of course, 
You could be praying for help in taking care of your wife. God is not much interested in our prayers if we are mistreating or neglecting our, our wives. And again, I'm reminded of our scripture reading, Ephesians 5.28. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. How can we be praying for our own needs if we're failing to care for our own wife with whom we are one flesh? So let's take this for what it is. It's a warning. We're not talking about losing our salvation. We're not talking about God no longer loving us. But it's just a warning of it's a terrible position to be in, isn't it? To be in a position where God is not listening to your prayers. Talk about feeling vulnerable. So may that spur us on to to be intentional and to to depend on the Lord to fulfill these um, commands. So to summarize or to review, husbands, we are to spend time with your... Husbands, you are to spend time with your wife learning how best to care for her. And number two, you are to value your wife as a precious partner entrusted to your care. So husbands, let us confess and repent before God where we are falling short. And let us remind ourselves of the gospel, right? That, praise God, Christ has um, secured our righteousness. He has lived the life that we are called to live but fail in, in our place. He has borne the punishment for our sins, including the sins of neglecting and failing to care for our wives the way we should. We are forgiven. We are declared righteous. So preach the gospel to yourself. But ask God for for grace to repent, to change, to grow. Admit where you're falling short in in whatever areas it is. And say, God, I want to grow. I want to bless my wife. I want to display the gospel. I want to be a good steward of of the precious gift that you have entrusted to me. So let's do our business with God and let's let's go forth knowing he loves us, but asking for his help, and then let's go to our wives. Today, let's ask for our wives' forgiveness. Let's listen, let's spend time with her listening to what she needs and how we can improve. Like I said earlier, let's, let's, let's get it on the calendar and let's say, when, I realize we've been going, we've been running, 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 doing, going two different directions. How can our lives intersect? How can we get our orbits to where they're in the same ring? <laughs> She'll help you. They're they're good at problem solving that way. And wives, I have a a word for you today. Earlier I talked about flourishing and wilting. And you may be in a season right now where your husband is not doing a good job of cultivating you with time and loving care. And I'm aware of that and I, I grieve with you about that. But I want you to know that you can still flourish. You can still bear fruit for God's glory. 
Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man or the woman, right, who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Oh, what an encouraging truth that is. That by God's grace, wife, you can trust in the Lord. You can abide in Christ and the Spirit will bear fruit in you even during this hard season. Christ is your ultimate husband. He loves you with a perfect, never-ending love. And in his love and kindness, he has given you your husband. And he is lovingly working in your life to draw you closer to him. So be encouraged by that. And praise God that, again, all of us as the, as the church, we are Christ's bride. And today, if you're without Christ, then I, I pray that even on this message that's been focused on marriage, I pray that you have seen the gospel in it. That you know that in his great love and mercy, the eternal son of God came and humbled himself, took on a human nature, and lived and died in the place of sinners in order to save sinners like you and me. And God raised him from the dead in power and in victory over sin and death so that all who believe in him, turning from their sins, embracing Jesus as Savior and Lord, will be saved and you will be part of Christ's bride. And so I invite you to do that if you're without Christ today. Abounding Grace Church, may the word of God dwell among us all richly. May God fill us all with humility, love, and hope. And may the current marriages of Abounding Grace Church and the future marriages of Abounding Grace Church May they be living pictures of the gospel to the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we know it's messages like this where it gets very, where the rubber really meets the road in many ways. And and we're reminded of just how far we fall short. And May your spirit bring conviction where it needs to bring conviction and, and may your spirit also um, testify and, and assure and encourage and affirm your love and grace to, to, your, to your people today. And Lord, again, we're so thankful that you don't call us to anything that you do not also equip us to do. And we know in our own strength we cannot live up to this. And you're not calling us to do this by our own strength. This is not just a do better, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. This is a let us drink deeply from the gospel kind of call. As husbands, we know we have no hope of of loving our wives without drinking deeply from the gospel every day being reminded of how much you have loved us. And so let us do that. Let us abide in your love 
And then may your spirit then produce in us the love that we need to die to self, to spend time with our wives, to enjoy um, the, the beautiful companion that you have given us. And Lord, I pray for our young people today. I pray that you will be taking these messages and, and equipping them, teaching them what, what marriage is to be. We know that our world and even, um, even, even the church many times is a, is a poor representation of that. But direct them back to your word. Give them, fill them with hope and, and trust in you and in your timing and in your, your work in their lives. Help each one of us to be enjoying our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, and enjoying his perfect care, his perfect love and provision and protection. May you be glorified through us and our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing a final song of praise.